Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, just how naughty has Naughty Dog been? Assassin's Creed goes to Valhalla. And is there a future for Daredevil in the MCU? All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glass from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source, and also Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and of course, the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. But it wouldn't be a PCC Multiverse without my good friend. He's our own individual who is still sometimes cool for Pop Culture Cosmos. You got to check out what he's doing today at popculturecosmos.com. You also got to check out his great show, Topicocalypse, and of course, his awesome book, Congratulations, You Suck. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. What's up, man? What's up? What's up? I've been reading the news a lot today, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, it'd be a good documentary. The media reopening after the COVID shutdown, and they could do like a little trailer that goes, bomb, 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 alliances will be broken. It could start with something dramatic like that, right? It'd be cool, huh? Yeah. If you say so. Think about it. I, I will. Sure thing. But we are going to have a great show on today for this week's program. We're going to be talking a little bit about Naughty Dog, also as well some Daredevil. Also got going on some good stuff when it comes to talking about what is going on with AMC's decision behind blocking Universal Pictures. And also as well, Assassin's Creed going to Valhalla. And of course, we also got a great guest coming up later on in the show. That's going to be Josh Gilstrap. He and I are going to be talking about what films can still find an audience this year. But it is going to be a show that we need to start off with. I guess the most important thing that I think for pop culture fans out there is the controversy in regards to Sony, PlayStation, and Naughty Dog, which has left Naughty Dog in a position where they had to quickly announce a release date after a lot of footage got released by most likely a former employee who decided not to go the quiet way out. 
and instead of something harmonious, I guess, as far as a parting is concerned, decided to go ahead and release a lot of footage and spoilers for The Last of Us 2, prompting an early, I guess, a quick response from Sony and Naughty Dog on a release date in June for The Last of Us 2, which I'm not sure they, what they were ready for, but they're going to have to do anyways. At least they felt like it. And then The Ghost of Shishima, which was going to be in June, that got pushed back to July. So I ask you, my friend, when it comes to The Last of Us 2, I think Naughty Dog, regardless of the way that they played this out, or regardless of the way they, you know, there's been, there's been some accusations, of course, and that's the most important thing here is that within the realm of Naughty Dog, not all is well, and there's been some mistreatment that have been accused by the studio. What is also interesting is the fact that because this footage got released, they've got they felt like they were forced to go ahead and announce a release date, which I'm not sure really needed to happen if they weren't ready. What was the reasoning he this person had for releasing this footage? And do you think that it's a like a rock star situation where they're overworked, or was it some kind of uh, what the the people that made Heavy Rain? I forget what studio that is. Is it something in internally where there's you know, allegations of sexual harassment, things like that. Is it anything that sinister? Or is it more just like the overworking, like a uh, rock star stuff? Well, it's a common theme in the industry now that we're seeing. I think this leads into something that is leaning on the side of rock star about work conditions within the realm of the video game industry. And we're seeing more and more studios go into that crunch time and not plan things out accordingly, I guess, either well enough or what have you. As the game gets closer to release, the hours seem, and hours seem to ramp up for the, a lot of these studios. And there's been a, more than one expose now behind the scenes. And you've talked about before with Jason Trier of Gotaku and his behind the scenes reporting on, on these studios and the major crunch that they put in there and the, and the major crunch that they put on their employees in doing so to try and fill out these release dates, you know, I, I know they're mandated by the studio and sometimes they're mandated by the publisher. In this case, it could be Sony, you know, laying the heavy that they want to go ahead and, and release The Last of Us 2 before PlayStation 5 comes out. I, I'm not sure I'm getting why that needed to be the case. In fact, there's still, to me, some, some issues I have that, you know, Naughty Dog, okay, look, there's been it's been released out. It's still not common knowledge for general gamers out there. It's still not a lot of individuals that want, are going to buy the game are are really caring about. Just it seems like there's the, that enigmatic few that are going to go ahead, rush to go ahead and see the video, rush to go ahead and see the leaked footage, rush to go ahead and understand what's going on with all the spoilers and whatnot. And it seemed like Sony is playing it out to those individuals more than the general audience, which really doesn't have an idea of what's going on in behind the scenes. To me, it just speaks of a larger issue and concern about how the video game industry needs to handle the way it goes and deals with uh, their staff, their studio, their personnel, even the most acclaimed studios like Rockstar and also Naughty Dog. These are two of the top flight. I mean, you're talking about two studios that are in the top five in the world. Uh, in regards to what they've done, what they've presented over the course of the past decade, in fact, even the century. So I'm, I'm asking my friend as well, this to me seems like an issue where, you know, the 
you know, this, this crunch, this is planning out something needs to change within the video game industry. And this crunch, as they're commonly referred to, needs to stop as soon as possible. Yeah, I, I agree. So you hit a few good topics there when you were talking. So the crunch definitely needs to stop. There, there's a lot of people who are overworked. Like a lot, you know, just we talked about Jason Schreier's book, right? Blood, Sweat, and Pixels. A lot of these guys talk about how when they are working on these games and the game's about to be released, they don't see their families for, it could be two to three weeks. Like they spend the night in the office trying to make sure that game gets to that release date and then goes gold and then, you know, plat whatever the, the last color is before it's being shipped finally. So that is a very good point. Yes, these employees do get burnt out and that's something that does need to stop. You know, at the same time, though, we're, we're seeing a trend where it's not just burnout, though. We're seeing a lot of people talking a lot of bad things about what's going on in studios. And we're living in this era of relevance, right, where everybody has something negative to say about everything. So it's really hard to know what exactly is going on in these studios, because if I work for a company like Naughty Dog and I the, the company could be perfect, but I could just be one unhappy employee and be like, oh, I'm going to go online and have my five minutes of fame. That could also be an issue. So it, it's all there's. I think they they need to maybe vet their employees a little better or put rules up against it, like say hey, saying, hey, like if you leak this, you know, I don't know if it, you, you'll be fined or whatever it might be. And then uh, if you have a problem, please come to us. They need to create a culture where people aren't afraid to go and talk to the people in charge because that's going to limit a lot of these these complaints going on. Well, there is something I think that has to be thought about when you talk about these games and the pressure that's put on them because it is a multi-million dollar industry we see the record numbers when something like grand theft auto comes out or even titles such as like that you're familiar with like borderlands 3 and uncharted 4 came out now it's a free game mind you but you can get this month on playstation plus but these titles they came out to big responses uh, similar to what you would see for movies that come out and tens of millions of dollars, even into the hundreds of millions of dollars can be generated within a short period of time when these games are released and at what times these games are released. So it's important that Sony or Xbox or even Steam to an extent, they discuss when these games are going to be released, when is a good time to go ahead and do it. I mean, Steam looks seems a little bit more uh, relaxed and just, you know, it's more like, okay, release it whenever you want. But when it comes to Sony, Xbox, and Nintendo, they seem to have a little bit more pressure on when and at what point in the calendar when they're supposed to go ahead and release these games. And I think that's bad. I think that's poor planning on not only the the publisher's part, but the studio's part for going ahead and and just not playing this out like let's say let's take an ea which is not always well thought of in fact they're one of the worst thought of uh publishers that are out there year in year out they have a certain amount of games that they need to fill their calendar up with because a publicly traded company etc etc why don't they talk to these developers like dice and whoever else that they support bioware and whatnot and ask them okay what realistically talk to the staffs talk to the staffs and say what realistic time frame do you need to make this game let's make it happen if the context and prior belief that they needed three-year development plan and they actually need four 
Let's make it four. Let's make it so that they don't have to go ahead and burn themselves out and get to that point where they get into a crunch. Because it, obviously this crunch time is a key issue with all these developers and the people who work for these development companies that it's just something that they need to go ahead and fix and change. I understand it's a long-standing tradition. It's almost a rite of passage in the video game industry, but it's also something that looks like it needs to stop and it needs to stop very soon. Right, I agree. And there, there's there's two things there. One, these developers should know that if they push their employees too hard just because of the nature of their work, it's all on the internet, it is so easy to leak things online. It's so... You're, you can nip a problem in the butt by just giving them the time that they need and treating them like people let them go home to see their families don't push them and two gamers are a patient bunch if 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 anything right like this delay to the last of us part two goes to tsushima delays to halo fans have been waiting what almost five four or five years for another halo the wait for borderlands that was like six years Fan, video game fans are patient, if anything. They'll complain about something on the internet going, oh, we might not see this forever, but they'll still play it when it comes out. So fan, video game fans are resilient, you know? So it, it, I don't, I think it hurts to push your employees too hard, especially, you know, with these big titles. If they're, if you're investing all this time and money into something and you want people to look back on it fondly, then, you know, doing the whole crunch thing is not a great way to go about that. No, it isn't. And I'd like to see things in the industry change. I don't want to say regulation needs to be in order or working conditions need to be evaluated more closely, maybe on a government level. I mean, that's something I don't think that they would like. But if you're not going to go ahead and have some sort of unionization come maybe or I don't know, unless you want to go ahead and have that happen, uh, I think that the industry needs to self-change because I understand that compared to everything else out there, this is a small thing that could be upsetting because these developers and these people that work within these developing companies usually make pretty decent money for the most part. So it's something that I think when you look at it compared to what other people are going through and when we have all this unemployment now, we have all this other stuff that's going on, it is a small, smaller thing by nature. And I don't want to dissuade that, but the only thing is right now, these are still things that after the pandemic goes by, if they're not properly taken care of now, these bad habits by these developers will continue for some time to come. And that's going to be a shame because, you know what, uh, we'll still get the games. And in the end, a lot of us don't really care because we got the game in, games in our hands. But there's a lot of good men and women out there that are working for these developers that are going to be really burnt out and not being able to give us the kind of product that we deserve. So what are your thoughts out there on what's going on with the controversy with Naughty Dog? Are, are you agreeing in that Naughty Dog should have released the game when it wanted to because it was on indefinite hiatus? And I think there was a plan to go ahead and release it later in the year or at least maybe even 2022. Or do you feel like it was with all that was going on, it, it was justified in moving it up to June of this year? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, humanity media, and game stores at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. And we'd also like to hear your opinions on the internal state of video games and video game development and this idea of crunch time being a rite of passage or being something that's necessary within the realm of development companies. 
Share us your thoughts on exactly if this is something that can be changed and how they might change it. We'd love to hear your thoughts on that. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmos show and the PCC Multiverse. I see the potential for basically like another Netflix kind of paradigm shift where here comes this other major player. They have a ton of resources. Apple could change the way that entertainment is consumed. They say it's the only time this year that you'll have stars from each brand battling each other. And we know it's not going to be the case, but they like to say that and more power to them, I guess. Well, it's a big first step bringing all those superheroes together. There were definitely some parts of the movie that I that I really enjoyed. And then there were some parts that I thought just kind of fell short of expectation. Part of it has to be something to do with how it's being promoted. And this is a thing where audiences do not agree with critics. That's the Pop Culture Cosmos Show. And the PCC Multiverse, every week on Apple Podcasts. And over a dozen of your favorite streaming and podcasting options. For the latest news and information, analysis and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break Podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. But for right now, before we head on out to an interview with Josh Gilstrap, I wanted to go ahead and ask you real quick, Josh, what's the story going on with Charlie Cox and Daredevil when it concerns him becoming a possible partner with the MCU? I know he was on an interview with, uh, I think it's either We Got This Covered or Comic Book News or something like that, and they were doing a quarantine marathon of the daredevil series and they were able to get him on an interview before they started this thing and they had asked him about because you know rumors have been circulating right spider-man they found out that he's uh, peter parker spider-man uh, that big reveal by mysterio jake gyllenhaal's mysterio and everyone's talking about how peter parker's gonna need a lawyer and then rumors started circulating is going to be charlie cox because why not not charlie cox but uh matt murdoch so and why not right because he is the best lawyer in Hell's Kitchen or New York or whatever you want to say. But, but nobody has talked to him about that. And he thinks that if they're going to do that, it won't be his daredevil on screen. Which really, uh, it bothers me. Because they have created, when they came out with the Netflix shows, they had said, hey, this is part of the larger continuity. And then, so we got attached to these characters. And they exist in a larger continuity, like they said, with like very small nods right but uh with this like like it it needs to happen i don't want somebody who is daredevil and not charlie cox like i I want that to be a daredevil that was has been already been established and already been created in that world because i i feel like they would be doing something like what uh what dc is doing i don't want the recasting to happen Uh, i don't know that might just be me uh, being picky about that, but it seems weird that they would make that and not have Charlie Cox be, and especially with all these fans begging for that to happen. You know, I know there's a lot of bad blood with the the firing of Jet, not firing, but you know, with Jeff Loeb losing all those everything he was doing at Marvel and the TV properties being cut. But uh, I feel like it'd be a bad move not to have Charlie Cox play Daredevil if they're going to have that happen in the next Spider Man. That's true, and there's still something that they have to work out because like you said uh, uh, this is something that has gone on for a little while ever since the fall of the marvel shows on netflix uh, i know that they were you know they and for the fans that are out there that enjoyed it it's something that they want to see continue within the framework of the mcu 
There are others that said, you know what, they played themselves out for the most part. Once the Defender show came out and that didn't get over, like Gangbusters, that just came out like, eh. In fact, you and I were doing a show on it and we just thought it was, eh. Wasn't that worth that that uh, total commitment? I think for everybody out there, uh, it just seemed like the the momentum towards putting them in the MCU kind of, kind of died. But once they all got canceled, I think Matt Murdock, a.k.a. Charlie Cox, I think it's uh, his character was the most desired to be seen in the MCU. I think it would be a good fit for Spider-Man and that Spider-Man realm. And I, I would love to see him represent Peter Parker in some form or fashion, not only in the courtroom, but maybe side by side in maybe, you know, him getting on the daredevil gear and all that, but we'll have to wait and see. I'm kind of disappointed that there's been no word as of yet, nothing but silence that there's not been any word of any type of return for the daredevil, because I think he could be a character that could do pretty good within the realm and framework of the MCU. Yeah, and I feel like he would be the easiest character to transition into the MCU. Like, I'll, I'll be honest, we have talked about this a lot. A lot of the uh, Marvel Netflix characters are lackluster, right? But uh, Charlie Cox's Daredevil and John Bernthal's Punisher, like, those are two shining, like, stars in that universe. And they would move over, especially if Marvel you know, wants to branch out and, and make something that might be a little bit darker. You know, if they're going to introduce Blade and, you know, if the rumors are true that Venom's tied in, like this could be this could be a very good medium for these two characters to move over. You know, if they want to reboot uh, Iron Fist and Jessica Jones and uh, Luke Cage later on down the line, that's fine. But I feel like it would be a disservice to Marvel fans everywhere if they did not bring both John Bernthal's Punisher and Charlie Cox's Daredevil into the MCU because that would be absolutely fantastic, especially since people are really begging to see Vincent D'Onofrio go up against Tom Holland's Spider-Man in some way. Like they have all these very, very well-developed and amazing characters and it just, it would be a crime not to use them. Vincent D'Onofrio was a good kingpin. I'd like to see him portray that role one more time within the framework of the Spider-Man series. So that's a good suggestion right there. Do you think because, well, the Marvel Universe has not only one but two lawyers in Daredevil and She-Hulk and the planned She-Hulk series that's coming well down the road for Disney. Now it's even farther down the road because of all the delays with all the TV shows now for Disney Plus and all that. Do you think the impending arrival of She-Hulk, well, as of now, that's slated on the schedule for Disney Plus, do you think that could be something that might be the reason behind there, there not being a Daredevil in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Do you think that might be the reason why, that they don't want two lawyers out there fighting crime? Yes and no, I guess, because if you look at a lot of Marvel characters have backgrounds as philanthropists and millionaires and CEOs and, you know, very unsuspecting things. The X-Men is made up of all tragic teenagers like it, it's I, I I don't know if if the, the lawyer aspect would be part of it, but then again, possibly, you know, especially with uh, Captain Marvel, right? Like they, there's a big move to put in, you know, powerful female characters and not just powerful in terms of power, but powerful in terms of, of professionalism and things like that. So 
that's possible. That might be a part of the picture that I'm not seeing. But at the same time, I still like what Marvel has done. The you know Kevin Feige has, especially with the MCU, has done correctly since taken over that mantle is giving the fans things that they want. And this would be this would go so far with fans, and I think it would open up so many avenues with future Marvel properties. And it just feels wrong not to do it. I am excited to see a She-Hulk materialize, but uh, you know, this is I don't think the release of Spider-Man is going to line up with that film even being in pre-production. But right now, Spider-Man is slated to take over the slot that Doctor Strange had and actually Thor Love and Thunder had in November 2021. It looks like both those movies haven't bumped to 2022 and we talked about that on our last show where it's now Thor Love and Thunder in February of 2022 and now as of now and as of now Doctor Strange 2 in March of 2022 and what goes in place is most likely going to be the the third Spider-Man movie in November of 2021 so there's still time to go ahead with what's going on in the pandemic to plan this stuff out I mean, would it be great to have Charlie Cox in there as the Daredevil and and representing Spider-Man in the court of law if it gets to that point? I would love to see that, but I just I'm not sure if it's going to happen. I just don't think I, I think there's a, I forgive me for for phrasing this wrong, but I think there's a stench when it comes to the Netflix shows for Marvel that Marvel itself uh, no longer wants to associate itself with. They may redevelop those characters and make them part of the MCU, a Daredevil, a Luke Cage, uh, Iron Fist, Jessica Jones. They may add those characters in sometime down the road, but I have a feeling they're going to do it with actors that differ from who we are familiar with now. I think they're going to go ahead and just either put them off to the side or just bring them in later on, much later on in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I I feel like that is very sad. You're probably right. But I mean, I feel like it's sad just because they're letting these internal squabbles ruin what could be a very beautiful thing. And this is something that happened over at Warner Brothers, right? So this could also be something that fans might not like because what happened with a lot of recasting and a lot of store continuity getting cut from the DCU is the fact that there were a lot of internal squabbles, a lot of restructuring, the uh, hiring of Jeff Johns, the releasing of Zack Snyder, the bringing on of Joss Whedon, like all these people trying to outdo or erase what their predecessors did. And that has not worked out well for them. So I would hope that Marvel would not walk down that path. But, you know, you might be right if you look at all the the uh, dirt that was thrown on top of uh, Jeff Loeb recently. So I think and I know you think as well, it looks like that. Marvel in some form or fashion will not be having a return for Daredevil or at least the Daredevil that we've been coming to know and appreciate from the Netflix series or Jessica Jones or the Punisher or, uh, you know, Iron Fist or Luke Cage, any of those stars that we're familiar with from the Netflix series come into the MCU anytime soon. I'm hoping that'll change and we'll get a surprise. I'm hoping that you and I can have a show in the near future 2021 or 2022 when you see when we're so excited to see these individuals within the framework of the mcu i just don't personally think it's going to happen and you know when it comes to what was going on with the marvel cinematic universe let me ask you this uh, on an aside because it looks like i like we talked about that the netflix characters 
are not going to be at least a part, unless there's something major changes going to be a part of the MCU. What do you think is under Kevin Feige's hat when it comes to how he wants to go ahead and integrate Spider-Man and all that? Do you think he just wants to keep Spider-Man within the framework of the MCU and that's it? Or do you think he wants to add in any more of those characters, the Venom, the Carnages, Morbius and all that within the framework of the MCU as well? Or is he just wants to keep that separate and let Sony deal with that? You know, I think he originally did want to keep that separate, but now I don't think he has a choice. Uh, Sony's going to continue to de- to develop these properties, and whether they like it or not, Tom Holland will be going back there at some point. His Spider-Man will be going back to that universe at some point. So if they don't want to have like some cheap time travel or world-jumping storyline in there, he won't really have a choice. You know, the Sony universe... It's, it's fine existing in conjunction with the MCU, but he might at some point have to in- incorporate something like that because that's already what's being established. And I, f- I feel like that's out of kind of out of his hands, especially if Marvel at this juncture wants to hang on to Spider-Man long enough to fully flesh out that storyline. Oh, he's a favorite in the MCU. There's no question about it. And his integration is something that they fought over in recent times. I mean, Sony and Marvel split at one time, and there was the fact that Spider-Man and, and you know we've talked about on this show, Spider-Man was you know uh, not a part of the MCU for a little while until they brought him back in, until they finally came to the table and agreed upon it. I see them enjoying and having great fortune, and and really appreciating and having Spider-Man within the framework of the MCU. I'm not sure that they just are interested or as interested in Sony's lines of characters. Even if Venom makes a ton of money, I'm not sure if they want all the extra added characters that come along with it. Yeah, and you know that's kind of where they're getting shot in the foot, so to speak, is that Sony wants so badly to have a connected universe. And they're, without Spider-Man they are pursuing these very like off properties that nobody really wanted to see venom i feel like was a fluke and turned out a lot better than anyone thought it would but morbius is a whole other question like that could be good and it could be bad i mean if it's good good for it but if it's bad then it really is not going to uh put a lot of faith in what sony's doing and it's going to probably create more headaches for marvel so what does everyone out there think about the future of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Would you like to see an integration with Netflix characters, especially Daredevil, within the framework of the MCU or within the framework of Sony's Spider-Verse? We'd love to maybe see an interaction with that. I know there are characters that we truly enjoyed. Daredevil was one of them. The Punisher was another. I'd like to see them integrated into the Marvel Cinematic Universe somehow, but I don't think that will happen. And I don't think Charlie Cox is waiting for it really anymore for it either. But I want to hear your thoughts, everyone, on the integration of the Netflix Marvel heroes to the MCU. Do you think this is a possibility that will happen, or do you want it to happen? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Well, coming up next, it's Josh Gilstrap talking about some of the movies that he thinks will still find an audience, even in a coronavirus pandemic-stricken year, such as we have now, once theaters are fully open and realized And then Josh and I on the back end are going to talk about Assassin's Creed and Universal Studios under fire from theater chains. We're going to talk about that and more. This is the PCC Multiverse. 
Get ready for Kitty Origins Evolutions, the latest documentary from Rob McCallum. Thrusted into heavy metal stardom as teenagers with their debut release, Kitty has thrashed and conquered the heavy metal world for the past 20 years. Kitty has defied industry norms, fought back against women and rock stereotypes, and inspired generations since they appeared. And now, for the first time, they've decided to share their untold story. Generously peppered with archival footage shot by the band, this film gives you an honest and brutal look at what it takes to survive in the music industry. Order the DVD, Blu-ray, and live CD triple pack that features recordings from throughout their 20-year illustrious history from RobMcCallumFilms.com. RobMcCallumFilms.com, your place for awesome stories about awesome people and films worth watching. Coming soon from Rob McCallum Films, Zero Cool Films presents Action Figure Adventure. Super collector Jay Bartlett hits the road once again in search of action figures most iconic and noteworthy and rare figures all in the name of creating the most ultimate action figure auction ever he fronts the cash that charity benefits in the end what will he get how will he get it and how well will he do find out november 1st 2020 this and many more from rob mccallum films all right and we're back with the show it's coming right back at you here and it is still a tumultuous time right now one involved because of the coronavirus and the ongoing pandemic that's out there. But one of the most hard hit communities and one of the, I guess, most damaging effects on an industry is the movie industry, an industry that we always talk about all the stuff that's coming on for movies and whatnot. And lately, because of the effects of the coronavirus, we've been talking about a lot of movies. And I mean, a lot of movies that have been pushed back, altered, traditional trajectory as a movie has been changed over the course of the next at least two, three years. We're seeing the residual effects from it. Everything from Trolls World Tour and some of the other movies that are going straight to digital, which is not making AMC or Regal very happy at this point in time, but also the movies that are still on the theatrical plate that are coming out later this year, that are coming out next year and so forth. And I wanted to talk specifically at this point in time because Theaters are now starting to open up at least a little bit. There are certain specific conditions. And at least for the foreseeable future in 2020, the audience is not going to be quite the same. So here today to talk to me about his thoughts on what movies can still find an audience, even in a coronavirus 2020. Here with me today is it's a great show. It is Cinematic Blind Spots. You can catch it today wherever you get your podcasts, if that's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, what have you. It's a great outlet for anybody that's willing to talk movies. And with me today is Josh Gilstrap. And Josh, just so great to have you on the program. I appreciate it. I'm talking to you right now as far as uh, I wish it would be under better circumstances. I wish you could I be doing this vast summer movie preview where we would talk for hours and hours and hours upon end about the movies that would be coming out this summer. In fact, you know, I almost get a little bit of a, a sniffle right now or, or a tear in my eye because of the fact that Black Widow week and we'd be all jazzed and pumped up for that, especially for those who love the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You got to remember, go, it's like one year ago this week that Avengers Endgame came out and it would have been this week that Black Widow, something that I and two daughters that love the Marvel Cinematic Universe absolutely would have loved to see come to fruition. This is something I've been asking for on the show for 
three years now that this is long overdue. Again, it's been delayed like every other movie that's out there to November. Can Black Widow, first off, find an audience when it comes in November of later this year in 2020? Yeah, you know, I'm not sure. I'm not, I think what, Thor movies might have come out in November, but for the most part, the MCU is a summertime movie industry, you know, the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe. So I'll be curious to see, too. Like you said, some theaters are starting to open up. I'll be curious to see how many people are actually going to the theaters. Like, I've heard that they're going to roll out maybe some, like, older movies and just let people in for free to ease them in. I don't know if they're still if that's still the plan or not. I don't know if you've heard anything about that. I've heard that. Uh, that's couple- something that has been talked about. I think that's probably the best way to do it. I know in China, in that all-important box office industry that's over there, they had already started to do this, but then they had to close theaters because they got, again, a larger wave of infections. But they were starting to go ahead and release popular Marvel movies or popular movies to get people back into there, whether it was at a low cost or just free. They were trying to entice people to get in there. So that is something that is being talked about with certain theater chains as far as just in the door. And you're right. A lot of people, until there's a vaccine, are going to be very hesitant about going back to theaters anytime soon. Right. We're going to have to see who's willing to be those scapegoats, so to speak, because I don't know. We might end up with a second wave and be right back in their situation as well. And we got to see who's willing to take that plunge in the beginning because I'm, pro- I'm probably not. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm probably not going to take that because I have little small kids at home. So that's not a risk I'm willing to take. And I don't blame you a bit for feeling or even doing that because of the fact that, like you said, you've got a family to protect. And even me and my daughters who are so ramped up and so psyched up to see the justification of Black Widow on the big screen, we will be hesitant about even going back to the theaters. Because if there's one movie that's going to draw us back, it would be Black Widow. But that movie, whether it's Wonder Woman 1984, whether it's that movie, whether it's No Time to Die, whether it's anything coming out in the foreseeable future, it is going to be a hard time getting people back into theaters in any way, shape, or form. Exactly. Like, I think the movie that would bring me back is probably Halloween Kills in October, just because I'm a big horror guy. So I might be willing to don a mask and take a risk for that one. That's me personally. I don't know. We'll see. But like you had already said, you know, everything's changed on a week to week, day to day basis. What's going on? So who knows what's going to happen over the summer? Because I know Disney's pushed back by what Mulan to the summer. I don't know if that's going to get pushed back again or maybe I think some stuff has already been moved to next year, you know, just to play safe and keep their good spot in the release schedule. So he's made a lot of changes and Marvel and and Universal and made serious changes. In fact, I've just talked about recently on the show where Thor and Doctor Strange 2 have been changed back multiple times. So we're seeing now that Thor is now not coming out in 2021. It's now coming out in 22, which was the movie coming out one year originally got bumped back to November and bumped back again to March of 2022. So all the shuffling, rearranging of the decks, it's very interesting to see, but unfortunately it's necessary due to what's going on with the coronavirus. But like you said, Halloween Kills, you might go back to, but Black Widow might be for us. I might be just wearing full mask, full body hazmat suit, and be standing up the entire time and not even sitting in the seat for the entire two hours. 
I may do that instead just to make sure I'm, I, you know, I'll try and give my chance the best safety possible. But I want to ask you this in all seriousness without the hazmat suit aside. Ian, you talked about, I mean, you do not see in any way, shape, or form the movie industry go anytime soon. Could this be a problem that continues and lingers into 2021 as well? You know, I, I really am kind of afraid of that, actually, because, I mean, like, like I said, we don't know when this thing's really going to end. We don't have an actual vaccine for it. There's a real chance it could get pushed back to next year because I don't know that people are going to be ready, especially if we get hit with a second wave and have to shut everything back down because we're rushing to open everything back up as it is. You know, I don't know that that's necessarily the answer, but I understand people also want to make money, so they're definitely going to have to take that chance. I don't know. I think, I mean, because like every time you move something back, something that was in that spot has to get moved back too because you can't have 15 movies released the same weekend. I mean, it's just not going to happen. So it is going to be something that we're going to look at and it's going to be continually a problem as far as the scheduling is concerned for these movies and movies that could be condensed into a format where you have one hit after another hit after another hit. There could be a problem of cannibalizing themselves. The limited amount of people that want to go see films may be torn on seeing one or two, but there's going to be so many coming out within a short period of time. So yeah, that's going to be a problem down the line that people have to deal with and these movie companies have to deal with as well. Right, and I'm curious to see how the uh, VOD market takes off even more after the success of Trolls World Tour. I mean, I think that movie was a big success because it's a family movie more than anything. At least that's my opinion, just because you have families of like five people going out there. It's a lot cheaper to pay a little $20 rental fee and you get it for two full days versus taking a family of five. It's going to cost you minimum 50 bucks probably before you hit the concession stand to go see that movie in theaters. I don't know that every movie will work in the VOD format. And some movies just need to be seen on a big screen. I mean, a lot of the movies in the MCU need to be seen on a big screen to really appreciate them. At least the first time, you know, you can enjoy them again on the rewatches at home, but that first watch needs to be experienced in a theater. I agree with you on that. I'm just hoping that the experience will get better and safer as we go along, going back in droves to the theaters sometime soon. Cannot agree with you more on that. One last thing before we head on out, my friend, and that is this. Josh Gilstrap, I'm talking to from Cinematic Blind Spots. I've talked about the show so well and what you guys do as far as such a great show, but you've heard about my talk about Cinematic Blind Spots, so I want you to go ahead and shout out to one out there why people need to check out each and every time you guys drop an episode of the Cinematic Blind Spots. Uh, you know, me and my co-host Adam, we're big-time movie lovers. And the cool thing about us is that each week we're introducing each other to a new movie that we've never seen. We're taking turns, and we come from different backgrounds as far as what we grew up with. So you're never going to turn in and get the same kind of movie. Our selection is all over the place. And what we do is we take a movie, one movie a week, and we start at the beginning and pretty much work our way through the whole movie. And we might get behind the scene facts we find, we talk about how it performed at the box office, what critics thought of it, and all that. So, I mean, yeah, it's just a fun ride. And, and, and if you don't like the movie that week, turn back the next week, because I promise it's going to be something completely different. Once again, that cinematic blind spots. you got to check out every awesome episode as the guys talk great movies one week. Could be another movie the next. Check out to see what movies they're talking about each time they have an episode of the cinematic blind spots wherever you get your podcasts.
Well, I'll tell you what, Josh, it's been just great talking to you. I really, truly appreciate you taking the time to speak to me. Any last thoughts on the way out? Uh, no, I just want to say I appreciate you letting me come on and talk movies, man. This is my passion. I love just talking about movies, anything. Anything uh, movie-related makes me happy. Uh, absolutely, my friend. Just great to have you on the show. Cannot thank you enough for talking movies because movies I love to talk about all day long as well. In fact, we do so right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. And we're about to close out the show. This is PCC Multiverse. Want to thank Josh Gilstrap for joining us on the show today, talking about films that he thinks will still find an audience this year. Plus, want to let everybody know we've had another great week of programming right here on the Pop Culture Cost channel and all the great shows that are aligned with it, starting with Inside Sports Fantasy Football. Chris Sardieri once again has done an outstanding job of letting them know his thoughts on the recent NFL draft and the winners and losers. So he had a great show with me inside sports fantasy football. So check that out. And the Lakers fast break. I've had interviews with stone Hansen from DraftSite.com, Raphael Barlow from NBA draft junkies. I've got another one coming up pretty much the same weekend that this drops with Michael Weisenberg from the step in. And then also we had another NBA mock draft of the second round this time so you want to check that out as well that dropped on the lakers fast break channel as well but before we head on out my friend two quick things and let's start off with what universal has done universal obviously released trolls world tour we talked about on a previous episode it's been one of our more popular episodes of late about how trolls world tour making history as far as a digital release is concerned and the success that came from it the thing I wanted to ask you, my friend, is that now that they've gone ahead and done that, it's created a lot of fire within the movie theater chain industry. And not only AMC, which was the initial company to announce, even though they're in financial trouble, which has been heavily reported on, they still said that they're not going to go ahead as of now for the foreseeable future, carry movies from Universal because of it. And now Regal, the Regal theater chains have said they'll follow suit and will not pick up universal movies as well. Is this going to be something that's long lasting? Is this something that sounds like it's going to be a bitter fight to the end for both movie theater chains and also universal pictures? This sounds like it's going to get nastier before it gets any better for this fight to continue. Yeah. So I hadn't heard anything about the, the Regals doing that to Edwards, but this does sound like it's something that's going to get really nasty, but it, but it's also it's a no brainer. You know, it's a no brainer that uh, that Universal would do this type of thing. They're not saying they're just doing exclusive releases on demand. They're they're also releasing two theaters. You can still go and enjoy these movies in the theaters. And they haven't said, hey, we're going to release them simultaneously. They said they will be released within you know, a certain time frame of each other, but it, they're, they're just breaking the 90 day movie to video 
cycle that has been well known. But this is dumb, you know, especially with AMC bound to is is going bankrupt. Edwards uh, is there's not a lot of people going to the movie theaters anymore, and you're skipping out on big big films like Jurassic Park, Fast and the Furious. Like it's a super bad move for them to say we are abandoning Universal. You know, they didn't even. It sounds to me like they didn't even reach out and try to negotiate with each other. They just kind of read a tweet or something and then you know word vomited all this stuff because they were so angry about it like it's it's such a dumb move especially fast and the furious brings in so much money jurassic park brings in so much money all that's going to be left for them is disney and marvel and that might not even be enough to sustain them especially with with covid going on you know and all this stuff with with people not knowing when they're going to go back it's it seems really really crazy to me like they, they need to sit down and have a conversation about this the thing with trolls is trolls would have lost a whole lot of money trolls was released they even said this they said that in a statement universal ceo said that if trolls had not been released video on demand then they would have lost a ton of money on it the people involved would have lost a ton of money on it so it made sense for them to release it to a to to a home audience, you know, during the whole the whole COVID thing, if they were to release it in theaters, nobody would have gone to see it. So it was kind of a move. Okay, well, we're gonna try this format with future releases. They never said, they never specifically stated that we're gonna do this for Jurassic Park and Fast and Furious and all these big films. They just said we're gonna do something like this in the future. There were no, there was no uh, guidelines laid out for it. There's really no like elaborations laid out for it. And then Universal and Edwards kind of jumped the gun. And I think that it is incredibly stupid on their part to say, hey, we're banning Universal films. Edwards and AMC really jumped the gun because they're like elaborations laid out. It's just, it sounded like they were just, there are no official announcements by Universal saying, hey, we're going to put even our big films out straight to DVD as well nothing stated like that and universal and amc sound like it was just like a gag reflex and they really just jumped the gun and got upset about it well it looks like amc and also regal edwards have gotten really upset by it and for now that there's a parting the ways and they will not be picking up universal pictures for the foreseeable future i think in a coronavirus pandemic world that we live in right now where you're not going to see anywhere near, and I mean anywhere near the kind of traffic to movie theaters, even for big movies like Wonder Woman and Black Widow and anything else coming out this year, until there's more safety inclusions provided than just, okay, one quarter of the theater be filled or six chairs apart or six feet apart and the whole social distancing type deal. I think until there are clear things in place, i.e. a vaccine or anything like that, I don't think that the movie theater attendance will be anywhere near what we hope it would be for any time this year. And I don't think Universal is going to be crying that much over what AMC and Regal Edwards does. The thing is, when it comes to 2022 and 2023, when you have a vaccine, hopefully keeping fingers crossed in place by then and everybody is a lot better and there's an immunity going on and we can all go back to the theaters in a safe and uh, respectful and courteous fashion. That to me is going to be the point where I think as you and I both have seen, especially lately with me and the Lakers on the Lakers fast break, money dictates all 
greed dictates all. So AMC and Edwards, Regal, and Universal, they'll all come to an agreement. They'll they'll all come crying and uh, crawling back to the table, so to speak, with AMC and on especially on AMC and Regal Edwards end because AMC is financially strapped at this point in time. So they can't afford really to play games like this for too long. They know this year's shot. Regal knows this year's shot as far as attendance is concerned. So they can play games now because they're not really going to make too much money off of it. But in the long run, when moviegoers go back to the theaters in mass, like normal or any, you know, somewhere near what it was at this point in time last year, they're going to go ahead and I think fold and ultimately universal will find a way back into their theaters. I don't think this is going to be something that's going to last. I think it, it's foolish of them, and they, they were just kind of upset, and they're stressed out about their theater chains possibly not making the money that they needed to make. And they need they will sit down and talk about this, because if, if they want to for sure shut down, banning Universal Films is the perfect way to guarantee that that happens. What are your thoughts out there on the fight between UMC, Regal Studios, and Universal Pictures? Did you agree with what Universal Pictures did and release Trolls World Tour straight out to digital? in this pandemic crisis or do you side with amc and regal edwards who feel that these films should come out first onto their screens and they should have the pick on whether or not universal should release it on their platform or a digital one as well shares your thoughts pop culture cosmos at yahoo.com well it's been a great episode my friend but before we head on out i want to go ahead and congratulate Brand new father, TJ Johnson from Voice from the Underground on his brand new son into the world coming in this past weekend. TJ Johnson Jr. cannot congratulate him enough for, for obviously one of these bright lights in the in world that's very dark right now. So congratulations to him on that. And also want to go ahead and thank everyone who's been a part of our tour so far of the Lost Minds of Fendiver as we go ahead into the world of Dungeons & Dragons. If you want to catch part one, it's available on the Game Source YouTube channel. If you want to catch part two, that's available now on Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source on the Facebook channels there. So it's been a great adventure so far, and I look forward to more Dungeons and Dragons and at some point in time getting you involved as well, Josh. Yeah, yeah, I'd like that for sure. Just uh, you know, we'll we'll work it out. We hopefully will work it out and get you into a game of Dungeons and Dragons. Would love to see that and also more of the staff as well. But before we head on out, my friend, I wanted to get with you real quick on Assassin's Creed, the longstanding rumors. And I don't even know why the, when these rumors come out, they just don't go ahead and admit it then. But this has been going on for a little while now that Assassin's Creed would head into the Viking era. And it will be with Assassin's Creed Valhalla. The video by the time this releases will already be out in the wild. So I ask you, my friend, is this a good move for the Assassin's Creed series, seeing how you're a big fan of that series? Yeah, you know, it's funny. Ubisoft is one of the worst companies with leaks. They have every time they have a new game coming out, somebody leaks it within, you know, three or four weeks of it being in development. With Assassin's Creed Valhalla, I I am a huge fan of what they're doing with these games. You know, Origins was okay, but Odyssey was just beautiful. And, you know, playing the legacy of the Hidden Blade and the fate of Atlantis, like they really elaborated on years and years of crazy, confusing mythology and just the way your character develops and the, the choices you get to make and like the the 
the RPG aspects of the game. I love it. So I would absolutely love to play an Assassin's Creed in Norse, you know, do, doing the whole Viking saga, playing in England, playing in, you know, whatever country the, the Vikings are coming from. Like I, I would be totally down for something like that because that would be, that would be a very beautiful game, especially if they were to incorporate, uh, you know, the, the mythology of the gods like they did with God of War, you know, the Norse mythology, have Thor, Loki, Odin, whatever it might be, have them in there as the, uh, the, the Izu, I think they're called from, uh, you know, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, how they had Poseidon and stuff like that. Like that would be just, that would be great. Yeah. I'm on board for it. Totally. What about you though? I might be interested into it. Obviously the Nordic world was very popular when it came to God of War the most recent re-envisioning of the God of War series. And we've seen how well that went over with audiences and how great that game was. So I think I would like to see something imagined in this world for the Assassin's Creed series. I mean, as they go along through various points in history, this seemed like a natural fit for that series. So I, I like to see them go ahead and do it. Assassin's Creed now is no longer coming out every year, which I highly recommended a long time ago because I think people were burnt out on it. I think it's a good move that we're not seeing it every year. So I'd like to continue that trend for Ubisoft and make sure that Assassin's Creed is brought out every other year because it keeps it more fresh and the idea and places and history times that it can go into a lot more interesting and allows the players to go ahead and delve into this world not have to feel rushed that another one is coming right behind it yeah i agree the extra time definitely helps and uh what was odyssey came out a year after origins did i mean that seemed right am i remembering that correctly i, I think you are but then they announced that it would be coming out uh not they would not have an assassin's creed coming out every year i think they announced right after us odyssey came out that odyssey would be the assassin's creed game for a couple of years and you would have to deal with that so i think that's a good move i think assassin's creed every year got a little yeah. stale got a little tired and you you lost that freshness of, of what assassin's creed is all about yeah and they're they're really fleshing out their story lately so it feels more like a, a game that is that reaches more than one type of gamer like they're, they're doing a great job with that so yes i am excited uh, I don't know if I hope it's not a launch title. I hope they really take the time to polish it up a little more, but we'll see. You know, usually when they make an announcement, it's like another three or four. It comes out that holiday season. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But yeah, I'm definitely on board to play it. And mine might be as well. Assassin's Creed has been a love it or leave it series for me. I might just start to love it as they go into the world of Valhalla. Want to thank you, Josh, for being a part of today's show. Can't wait to talk more about some great pop culture coming up on Monday. Any last thoughts on the way out? Check out the trailer for Assassin's Creed Valhalla. That's the working title. It is going to premiere. It'll be up by the time this goes up. So check it out on YouTube and get back to us with your thoughts on it. I will go gaming before we head on that. And that is Josh and I were getting involved uh, along with uh, several other friends of ours. One of the things I don't like to do very much on social media is doing chain stuff. But recently, uh, our good friends Rob McCallum and Jay Bartlett, who really got the whole thing started, talked about 10 box art. Well, because they've done a series called Box Art. 10 box art from the video game world from 10 games that really have been a part of their lives 
and really have, have made them and helped develop them into who they are and the gamers that they are. And they got us involved. So we started doing it. And so 10 days, a new box art each day. I'm going to go ahead and say right now, at some point in time, when it's over, you and I need to talk on the show about that to see the influences that we've had over the years and some of the games that have really just been a great part of our lives. I think we should be able to talk about that when we go ahead and finish our 10 days, 10 box art covers. Yeah, sounds good. I'd definitely be down for that. I got a lot of good picks, I think. As do I, my friend. As do I. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day of paradise right here in the PCC multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. Hey, weird podcast people, join us every week on the Flopcast for a half hour or so of silly conversation about comics, music, Saturday morning cartoons, old movies and TV shows, and chickens. It'll be our little secret. Find us at Flopcast.net and on the ESO Network. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.